Hey guys, welcome to Spiritual Musings of a Popcorn Brain. So today I wanted to talk about the saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That one has been bouncing around in my head for quite some time, and I can see it both from a positive or a negative sense. Uh, It's an encouragement in one way to live life to the fullest, but in another way, it's also a warning against not getting caught up in things that are non-essential. So anyway, I just, I did some research on um, some of the different ways that you could look at this, and I thought I would share that with you guys. So if you just start in the dictionary, I went to dictionary.com and it says that the idea behind it says that we should enjoy life as much as possible because it will all be over soon, which is a fairly positive approach of what a lot of people try to teach about life. Uh, It also states that these ideas are based on verses found in Ecclesiastes and Isaiah. Now, I definitely agree with Ecclesiastes because I knew that there were the ones there, because that's what I first think of when I think of this saying. But Isaiah, that was actually totally out of context. And while it has those words, that's not where you go to. Uh, However, there is in the New Testament where Jesus actually uses that phrase or pretty darn close to it. So we'll look at that too. So I studied under one pastor a long time ago who made the case during the book of Ecclesiastes, that the reason why the author, who is Solomon, keeps saying, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. That it's because Solomon had drifted from God in his life by this point, and that life without God is meaningless. Uh, He drifted likely primarily because of all of his wives. He started off with one wife, and then, um, as was the culture back then, and peace treaties, you would marry again, and many of those wives that he had were not believers in the same God that he had. And I think because he cared for them, it pulled him away from his relationship with God. And um, when you talk to people who don't believe that God exists, they'll often say the same thing, that life is meaningless, or they'll say it doesn't really matter what we do. We just need to make ourselves happy. I've heard it in songs. There's many philosophers out there who say the same thing, whether you get into nihilism or existentialism or, you know, they all say it doesn't really matter. Figure out, do whatever you want to do, because in the end, it doesn't matter. If there's no God, then sure, it doesn't matter. If there is a God, which you have to ask, and If there is a God, who is he and what's he like? That's the next question. I personally believe in the God of the Bible who is loving and just and 
perfect in power and might and in the way that he loves. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. I mean, absolutely amazing. But he's daunting for us to try to understand because he's also infinite and we're not. So doesn't matter how hard we try, we're never going to understand who he is on this earth. But someday, if we get to meet him face to face, then yes, we can know who he is. So back to the eat, drink, and be merry. When you go into Ecclesiastes, he sets it up in the book in verse 2 of chapter 1 by saying, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. The teacher then goes on a quest and determines the futility of wisdom, pleasure, work, political power, wealth. However, he holds strong to the idea of all the things being meaningless. In the end, he has one major takeaway with a few key observations along the way. Each observation has to do with savoring each moment, no matter your age or situation in life, and keeping a mindfulness of accountability. Now, this is my take on that. That's my personal summary of that. Um, if you have different thoughts, please feel free to share those with me. So, I think a positive use of eat, drink, and be merry is this keeping a mindfulness and also savoring each moment no matter your age or situation in life. Enjoy life, but don't get carried away into degradation. And lots of people will say, well, what's degradation? Well, everybody believes it's there. They just differ on the definition of it. So he makes his final conclusion at the very end of the book. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. I personally believe that's true as well. Uh, so I think there's a lot to be gleaned from Ecclesiastes, but it can also be depressing if you don't have the right perspective going in. Um, many call it a dark kind of a book. I think mostly because he does keep repeating meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. If you go to the New Testament in Luke chapter 12, then we have Jesus and when he uses that phrase. And he uh, he says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not to have a rich relationship with God. So my summary on this is that Jesus seems to think that the right attitude in the approach of life is important. 
The attitude would be a reverence and desire to know God, not be focused on earthly pleasures. Some people skew this to say that life cannot be enjoyed to be a follower of Jesus, but that is not at all what he said. Study his words for yourself. Looking at the last part of the saying, we have, Be merry, for tomorrow we die. Be merry, or maybe content, or maybe happy. You could substitute, I think, either of those. And Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I have experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. So Paul knew how to be content, or marry, and he relied on his relationship with Jesus, as you find in the next verse. And I'll let you read that for yourself if you're interested. The next verse would be Philippians 4.13. So from a non-biblical view, there's an excellent video of an interview with Dr. Robert Lustig about the difference between pleasure and happiness. And uh, please don't confuse the two. Many people do. The momentary pleasure or escape that some things may bring will have the same effect on your body as drugs. This is a a very, very brief summary of his interview. Um, Happiness is steady, pleasure is fleeting, and will leave you wondering what happened. So I would recommend watching his video, but it is kind of long. Well worth it, though. And once again, his name is Dr. Robert Lustig. And you should be able to find that. I think it was about an hour long, and he's sitting down with a young lady, and they're um, talking about the difference between pleasure and happiness. So I think it boils down to this. When you hear, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, you choose whether or not to be happy or content in life. Eating and drinking doesn't do it for you, though there may be momentary pleasure in it. I believe Jesus was spot on. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not to have a rich relationship with God. Thank you for letting me share my popcorn brain. So if you liked or were entertained somehow by what you heard, please subscribe.